hey everybody uh welcome to this week's chill gamers podcast i am joined today by defaced hello and ian hey what's up um i am gonna try my hand at hosting this week we're gonna do things a little bit differently um but uh let's go ahead and get started uh Today we'll start off with our first topic. Uh, AMD has has uh, announced their new Radeon RX 6000 series graphics cards to compete with NVIDIA's new 30 series. Um, these cards are going to be shipping in Q4 of 2020. They use the RDNA 2 architecture on a 7 nanometer chip. And where the NVIDIA cards ranged from 1500 to 700 to 500, these cards will be 1000 to 580 to, I'm sorry, 650 to 580. So a little bit cheaper than their NVIDIA counterparts. Um, let's discuss. I got a couple points I actually would like to learn about because I don't know a whole lot about it. Um, so the, the Radeon cards are going to be cheaper. But when you have certain tools with NVIDIA, like DLSS and ray tracing, is there a benefit that might give them the edge, even though they're more expensive? So, so I've had this discussion quite a bit, actually, um, with other with other people who are pretty big tech followers and whatnot. But like, so when Nvidia released the RTX cards, they literally changed the game. Like, and not not like no pun intended here, but like they literally changed where the focus was in the competition. Instead of pushing raw performance. They changed that and shifted away from raw performance over to features. So you have ray tracing, you have DLSS, you have all of that fancy junk that they're throwing in. But AMD is, you know, they're rocking their anti-lag and free sync. But it definitely, me being an AMD user, it's definitely not as easy to use as NVIDIA, more than likely. But... I mean, it's still great. FreeSync is great, but they, from what I understand, they are working on their own DLSS uh, AI-powered super sampling um, solution, but it's just not ready yet. So it's kind of like NVIDIA kind of shifted everybody's focus away from pushing 4K at 60 FPS over to pushing proprietary features for their platform. Right. AMD has been kind of forced to move in that direction because they can pump out a card that can they can pump out a 3080 competitor that can do 4k 60 fps and 90 percent of games but if they don't have dlss and they don't have ray tracing then what's the point in paying 650 bucks for for the competitor right yeah my personally my setup is kind of right on that that edge of i can do 4k 60 in certain games but um it can handle just about anything at 1440. So I'm really looking for, I, you know, I've seen the the benefits of DLSS firsthand, but I haven't really seen the pure 4K gameplay that they're trying to push. So I can see where they're coming from there. Um, AMD is also boasting, I, I don't know if these are exclusive to AMD, but it's got a thing, it's called Rage Mode, which I guess it, it's like a one-click overclock which I guess is still in that brute force direction, but it, it's still a feature that's unique to them. Yep. Um, what do you know about this smart access memory? Do you know about this when you pair a Ryzen processor with a Radeon graphics card? Yeah, so like um, 
so what it, what it basically is is you're opening up that memory pool from the graphics card and the CPU to basically work together. So you're having your so you have that, uh, and it's only on the the 500 chip, series chipsets and the 5000 series processors. So you have to have like an X570 or uh, <laughs> paired with like a like a 5600 or a 5700X AMD processor, and then also an RDNA 2 card. So basically, if you're building a new rig <clears throat> and you're building AMD, you're going to want to build with a 5000, a 500 series chipset, and an RDNA 2 so that you can use that smart access memory. Now, I don't, one thing that I, one thing I don't really understand about it is like, does it open up that memory pool for the CP, for like the basic system RAMs, like your, your DDR, DDR4? And allows the GPU to use that as well, or does it just open up that GPU RAM, that 16 gigs of GDDR6, for the CPU to use? They haven't really explained that all too much. Yeah, based on, I did watch a little bit of their presentation on it. It did seem very vague. And and they only they only showcase that with the 6900 XT. They oh. didn't really they didn't really show it with the 6800 XT. Okay, the 6800 so XT is the 3080 competitor, and the 6900 mm -hmm. XT is the 3090 competitor. Right. So it is worth noting, though, that 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 6900 is only a thousand versus 1500 for the 3090. Oh yeah, that's when where you, you're really seeing the big difference. Right, and when, when you lose that like five percent performance or whatever that you gain from that in rage mode, I mean, if you take that into account, you're still saving five hundred dollars. Right. <laughs> on a graphics card like right. are you really gonna like cry about losing five percent if you don't have that you know it's just That's the cost of a 3070 i know it's it's oh. it's, it's insane to to <clears throat> if you have the money yeah yeah a amd really seems like it's probably the way to go and one thing that I, that i've seen speculated like they haven't talked about ray tracing performance all that much yet but each gpu core has its own um like uh what do they call it rt cores so ray tracing cores uh, but they're not as fast as nvidia's so what it seems like is like their ray tracing is on par with an rtx 20 not an rtx right. 30 right so i'm wondering if the variable shader <clears throat> technology that they're implementing with DirectX 12 and their DLSS alternative is going to make up for that performance. Mm -hmm. Where it's just it's one it's really weird. Like they didn't actually show it. They just said this is this is the the max. Everything's maxed out. And, and look at that performance. Look at that performance. You know, Lisa Sue's doing her doing her right. thing up on stage, saying she's so excited and. Yeah, and you're gonna have you're gonna have those bar graphs back to back and everything showing yeah. you, you know performance improvements. It's always gonna favor them. And yeah, they have to show like, oh, in Battlefield Five at 4K60, this one pulled better. You know, like they have to show a couple of instances where mm -hmm. they don't win, but you can see the the skew there. But at least it's not like a difference of five FPS, and like the bars are like completely opposite, right. like in video. Yeah, always right. Does. Right, just, at least it is. It cracks me up every time I see it. It's just yeah. so dumb. Yeah. Ian, do you are you on uh, the red team? Uh 
I'm not as into the tech specs as you guys are. So most of this is kind of out of my field, but okay. I yeah. didn't know if you had seen it, seen the benefits of either system one way or, or the other. Um, I mean, yeah, they're out of my price point. So it's kind of that thing where if I don't look at it, I don't have to consider paying that much money. <laughs> right. I, uh, I'm satisfied with my old 1080 Ti. <laughs> yeah, as as old as this thing is, it still works on any game I play. But that's a yeah, it's still a hell of a card. It's a great card. Loved it. I yeah. put it in my PC when I bought it four odd years ago, and it's still running great. But it, it's time to upgrade soon, so I'm hoping these new cards will allow me to. Uh, I hope the new cards will drop the price points down on some of the. Uh, mid-tier models like the the 20 series or something yeah they haven't shown like a 6700 or a 6500 yet so i'm interested to see what that looks like yeah because it's coming right like right yeah there could be a very good like value proposition there especially since it's amd yeah i'm not i mean i'm all for amd um i've got i actually have a i have an amd motherboard and uh i have a ryzen uh processor instead of uh, Mm -hmm. intel so yeah now that i uh now that i think about it like my setup i've got an intel cpu and an nvidia uh card is there is there a synergy like that between those two brands kind of like the uh the smart access memory is claiming i don't that you know i don't think so i think it's just Oh, what do they call it? There, there was something that Microsoft had with with DirectX 12, but I, I forgot what it, what it was called. Um, hmm. something like direct direct memory or something. I don't know. Okay. I don't. I don't think there's any well, direct synergy between Intel and Nvidia. Okay. One thing. I, one thing I would like to like to note though, AMD, it, in my opinion, they have the longevity going for them like so much more than Nvidia and everybody, you know, everybody likes to say AMD fine wine and blah, 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 blah with the drivers. Yeah, that was, that was kind of a thing, but here, here with this particular generation, I find it really interesting because AMD is in both next generation consoles, PS five series S series X. They have direct access to Microsoft devs. They have direct access to direct X 12, ultimate features directly from Microsoft. They have access to optimization from Sony. Their drivers, man, I I really want to say their drivers are probably going to be killer this time around. And I, really I know they they were in I know they were in both the previous generations, but now we're 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 moving into new technology, right? We're moving into smart access memory, we're moving into ray tracing, we're moving into DLSS, we're moving into things that we haven't touched before because for the past 10 years, for the past decade, it's just been raw performance, right? Now it's raw performance and features and feature sets and optimizing and for AI. those feature sets and AI. And all, not only that, every one of AMD's Fidelity FX features are open source. So they're just going to get better and better. Right. Well, uh, I know that presentation was just what yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, wait for benchmarks. Yeah, there will be plenty of benchmarks, I'm sure. Yep. 
So not not saying go out and buy one right now, but yeah, wait yeah. for benchmarks. Yeah, we'll see how that works out. I, I I'm interested to see how the 6900 XT and the 6800 XT runs on a Ryzen 3000. Right. Without that sword access memory. I don't know. That's <clears throat> that's what I'm interested in. I I want to see that performance. Yeah. yeah. I want to see how well maybe if you're gaming difference. 1080, I don't know. If you're gaming 1080 and pulling 400 frames a second then it doesn't really matter right your alley. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we will I'm sure we'll be following that up plenty. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more to come. Oh yeah. All right, so moving right along, um Next topic will be, it looks like uh, Halo Infinite is catching some flack for some shady microtransactions. DeFace, do you want to take it? Oh, yeah. So ever since Halo CE, ever since Halo CE, you've been able to pick your primary and your secondary color. Now, they have thrown that out the window. And instead of being able to pick purple or blue or red, you get to pick an armor coating, and an armor coating is basically an armor texture or style combined with a color. <laughs> so you have to pick the style you want with the color that you want. You can't just pick the color and the style separately. And not only that, they are implementing $5 coating. Like, you pay $5, you get a coating. Or you buy a product, so you get a code for a coating. <laughs> So it's so it's kind of like, um, it's like the Avengers. I know it's like I used to be able to be like green and blue, but now I can't be green and blue because reasons and money. I guess I don't know. <laughs> it's so dumb. Yeah, like, I don't know if you guys ever watch Angry Joe, but the the running joke on his channel is like every time there's egregious microtransactions, he's like twenty dollars for blue. Yeah, it's worse and worse every time. Corporate commander. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's great. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not big on his shtick bits like that, but that one's. Yeah. No, it's just like it's 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 interesting to me because it's like, where did that start? Like, where did that trend start out? Was it was it Fortnite? Was it something else? Like, what? Well, what is I driving Overwatch that? was kind of the pioneer. You think so? Overwatch. Um, yeah. Well, I think they were the ones that had the first like official loot boxes. I think I think they popularized the loot box. They made it they made it they normalized it, I guess. Right. I feel like it was prior to that. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking too. But I think like I said, I think I think Overwatch normalized it though. Yeah, Overwatch and Rocket League I think were the because didn't Rocket League have a you could you could roll cars or something like that or accessories maybe? I think it was colors maybe or paint Might jobs. I don't know. Yeah, some some decals or something. A lot of what I'm seeing at, at first glance is that Gachapon method we talked about. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for Genshin. Which yeah, you could argue that I, I guess uh, Team Fortress Two played a big part in the early 2010s of of. Uh, Oh, what with their, was it the the hat economy for TF2? I think so, yeah. Yeah, the running joke of Valve isn't updating the game, gotta make more hats. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then EA caught wind. Oh, Oh, man. man. Yeah, EA is the king of dredging money out of their players. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Did you see uh, that? Uh, what is it? They, they have to pay $500,000 for every yes. day they have loot boxes in the Netherlands. In, in Denmark oh, or something like that? Yeah, $500,000 a day uh, or a week. Is it a week? Maybe it's a week. I don't know. I just glanced it. $500,000 every week that they maintain loot boxes in their uh, in their games uh, in somewhere in Europe. It's the, the you know Denmark or somewhere. Yeah. I, I thought, yeah, I thought Belgium was kind of the spearhead of that. Maybe sadly, it was Belgium. Isn't, but isn't it still worth it, though, sadly, depending on the, the population? 500000 a week? God, no. No, you don't that think? That can't be sustainable. Uh, Are you kidding me? You're losing $2 million a month? Well, they can cut, they can always get rid of it when it becomes unsustainable. Well, but I they're thought making, like Fortnite, you're making billions. I thought they were making something like 30000 or $30 million a month or something like that on that. I don't know. Yeah. Especially if it's every week, I would think half a million would be pocket change. Well, either yeah. way, I saw that they were going to try and appeal it in the higher court. So, oh, I'm sure. No. <laughs> um, yeah, that's disappointing to hear. I used to love, especially. I think my biggest thing was Halo Three. Some of my fondest memories, yeah, were running through Halo Three because you could unlock through the campaign and multiplayer all the armor stuff you unlocked. You didn't buy. You unlocked through tasks. Right. I remember trying to get the the Hayabusa armor, the recon armor. Hayabusa. The Hayabusa was the best looking armor that I've ever <laughs> yeah. Halo. You got like to ninja. One Halo combat evolved through, well, it, originally just Halo 1, but one through now, Hayabusa is still the best looking. But there was the one with the, the flame, you had like the flame on your head. I can't remember what one that was called, but... I always heard a rumor that you had to you had to one v one someone from Bungie and you had to you had to beat them to get that that helmet and yep like you weren't if you teabag them you were banned and it was like no shotguns or something it was always kind of was that actually a thing that was true so the flaming helmet yeah I think I think it was you had to you had to beat them if you if you matched up with them in matchmaking and you beat them. You got the helmet. That's um, awesome. <laughs> but if you, but like, I mean, they used to do that um, thing like they do with Destiny, where it's like uh, Bungie plays, I think is what they called it, or, or I don't know, something um, where they would like, you know, challenge the community and if you right. want, you got something for it. So I would encourage that. Yeah. That sounds great. But yeah, you could unlock everything in game, and it was so fun grinding out your challenges. You had to get like a hundred headshots or assassinations or grenade sticks or something to unlock your armor, and then you got your armor, and now it's yeah for now it's a paywall. <laughs> yeah, it just it seems to me like it just seems to me like they are they're already in hot water. So three four three is already kind of made a negative reputation for themselves and honestly i'm not i kind of understand why but i kind of don't because honestly i really like halo 4 and i really like halo 5 i know i'm in the minority on that but that's a conversation for another day regardless (laughs) three three four three they're already in hot water they want to implement microtransactions that cut out a very well-known feature in the entire series like what kind of like impact does that have on an already negative 
um, image for the company, you know, like how does that really help them? Where, where is the mindset coming here? Is it just like the cost is more important than keeping a quality quality brand? I mean, Halo is such a beloved series. I mean, it defined Xbox. It is Xbox. It's Xbox is Mario, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, admittedly, ever since some would argue Reach or some would argue even Halo 3, the quality's dropped considerably. Mm-hmm. Well, I, mean, I liked I liked the Reach multiplayer. I wasn't as big a fan of the rest of it. Oh man, I loved Reach. But, I mean, it was good. It was, but it compared to one, two, and three, it wasn't as good. And then four, I didn't enjoy, and I haven't played five because I didn't enjoy four. And yeah, it's just what kind of impact does that have, though? It's like you're already kind of digging that hole, and then you're just like, well, let me just dig, dig a little bit more. I guess if it gives gets me enough money to get out of it, why not? They might this is where the this is the kind of scenario though I think like what normal you know somewhat knowledgeable gamer is going to see what's going on and respond positively, but right. then you get you get the EA players and you get these things where like the more egregious stuff that goes on that that we would pay attention to. How many people out there you know are their numbers going up? Did Halo Five sell better than four, and so on? As far as I have as no idea, I have no idea. I haven't, I've never actually looked at the, at the numbers. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure myself, but it just strikes me as one of the one of those scenarios you wouldn't think it was happening, but well, you know, it could still be on the rise, or at Halo, least the revenue. Halo Five had those uh, those rec packs. Yeah, it unlocked special guns. It gave you like bonuses and stuff. I think there's one sniper that actually like would not de-scope you when you got shot. <laughs> right. It's kind of like, that's like a major gameplay advantage right there. But it's, it's, oh. it's just, it's interesting because like, um, when, like right after they did that, Chris Lee left the company. He's been with, he's been with, he's been with them since 2008. I think so over 10 years and he's, he was like a studio partner. Hmm. So they had that, that big July reveal that looked like a uh, Xbox 360 game and uh, they delayed it to 2021. And then apparently he left after, after they brought in Joe Statton and then uh, that was that. So finally, finally came out the other day that he left. So, do you think it's like a CYA move on his part <clears throat> to avoid th- bad PR or, or what do you think? I think it's, I think it's a combination. So a lot of these situations, like when somebody leaves a company like that, I feel like they, they, when they quote resign unquote, the, like the higher ups, like Phil Spencer, they give them an option of resigning out of just straight respect, or they say, we'll move you to another project. So like, in this case, I think what is what had probably happened, and it, it's it's pretty funny because Chris Lee had an interview right after that that gameplay came out, and you can kind of tell 
in, in you know the tone of his voice and how he's talking like he was just like he 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 wasn't really defeated but he was kind of like all right i'm i'm done talking about this let's keep moving on you know you know what i mean it's just kind of like yeah he, he's done with it he wants to move on so i kind of feel like he was wanting to move on from halo but at the same time he loved he loves halo right he's been with them since 2008 i think it was a mutual thing right it was yeah phil probably went to him and said look this is not good what's going on and chris is like man i'm not feeling it can you put me on other projects can you put me on other things and i, I don't want to keep going with speculation i think me personally i think it was a mutual decision i don't think it was like fix it or you're fired or move somewhere or you're fired you know i think it was like he was he was done he's made four halo games he's been on it since halo 3 with bungie moved over to 343 in 2008 he's made all those halo games he's probably burnt out just like everybody else was yeah hopefully you know hopefully it is more mutual well he's not gone from microsoft That's what that's why that's mainly why I think it's it was a oh, I see. mutual yeah. mutual thing. He's still at Microsoft. He's not gone. Okay. Well, hey, speaking of um more of the egregious microtransaction kind of uh moves we we're seeing lately, um we would be remiss to not discuss uh NBA 2K21 putting unskippable ads into a full price AAA game. Hang on. Hang on. Yeah. That's um again EA, it's just their thing now. Um, well, this is 2K. We, we, well, we gotta oh, go back. We have to go back even a little further uh, to uh, UFC four. It's kind of where they started right. their their whole shenanigans there. Um, I mean, they they always always do it. They do. They put yeah. some shit in the game. They get some intense backlash and they pull the oh I'm sorry and no all right. I think they did claim that it was an accident that it was put in at least where they put it in right or that it was um, unskippable maybe they made it skippable but uh, I just wanted to touch on it quickly I I, I you know yeah no I no it, it, much um, on it sucks and let's move on but. It was a it was a thing in UFC four where in the replays after a match they would play unskippable ads. Mm-hmm. Um, they removed or they put it in a month after the game came out, so all the early reviews didn't show that, so it yeah. wouldn't negatively impact their game. They put it in and then immediately removed it, saying it is abundantly clear from your feedback that integrating ads into the replay and overlay experience is not welcome. Uh, the advertisements have been disabled by the team, and we apologize for any disruption to the gameplay that players may have experienced. So uh, that's kind of where that started. And then 2K21 in um, in the, the loading, your pre-game loading screens, uh, they delayed the loading screens further by putting in unskippable ads. The most recent one was for the Oculus Quest 2 which appears on the PS4, Xbox One, and Windows version. Um, so I think they also had one for the boys on Amazon. Yes, that was UFC. I love that show. That's disgusting. Yep. That was that was UFC. Um, so that's 
where that whole thing started. One quick point I did see about that is if you're going to try and, and advertise the new SSD speeds for these consoles and you're trying to cut down on load times, how do you, you know, how do you uh, consolidate that with an unskippable ad? Are you bolstering your load times on purpose just to show that? Which is ultra shady to me. It's hard to say. I mean, if I don't know if they're not counting the ad as loading, if if they say that the game is already loaded and then the ad has to play or how they're defining their actual quote unquote load screen. Well, um, well, think of it this way. The consoles are going to have pretty quick SSDs, right? Yeah. So if they have loading times of like, I don't know, like 10 seconds, they can drop a, like maybe a 20 or 30 second ad and nobody will know the difference. Um, from what I'm reading, they're unskippable attached to a pregame video called My Team Season 2 that's auto started in a loading screen that takes longer than the ad runs, even on a PC running from an SSD. So it looks like even between a console and a PC, these load screens are taking longer than they should. Hmm. Well, that's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the 2K series. Jeez. Yep. Tell you what, let's move on. And we, when we know the next thing pops up, we'll touch on it again. Nobody buy 2K ever. Right. Or EA. Well, unless it's one of those fallen order squadrons or <laughs> I was say, at least they've made a decent game recently <laughs> they have as much as i hate to admit it they have made decent games but yep. their sports games are becoming atrocious all right so moving along to the next topic um it looks like ian has got some info on a new company from an ex-blizzard dev what do you got um, yeah, one of their ex-devs, uh, Chris Menson, is actually joining up with a uh, former VP of Quality Assurance, uh, Mike Gilmartin. Uh, they are creating a new gaming company called Warchief Gaming, and instead of video games, they are doing tabletop, which should be interesting. I do approve of this direction that tabletop is taking. I know... I just started D&D personally about a year and a half ago, and I'm loving it. Yeah, that's actually something that's discussed here is uh, apparently he said that he always felt like working on Warcraft. He was trying to achieve. Uh, this is not verbatim, but he's trying to achieve that same feeling that you get from D&D or other tabletop RPGs of that interpersonal connection that you get and um but yeah it's they're they're going for tabletop games they don't have anything in the works yet but they've started war chief gaming and something's going to come of it but i'm really looking forward to this uh, like you said aaron push for tabletop games they're they've always been around but i feel like lately there's been a surge in tabletop games especially with uh twitch streamers uh, namely, people like Critical Role have, yeah. have certainly boosted the uh, appeal for tabletop RPGs. Well, and, you know, working from home and quarantining probably has helped it gain 
as of late, yeah. Yeah. So do you think that... Uh, so, so they're basically wanting to make their own games workshop, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they're... I don't know exactly what they have in mind, and it looks like they're kind of still building ideas around it, but... Um, so they're they're going to be doing their own thing. They're trying to do their own thing. Are they still in Irvine? Irvine I believe Irvine. so. I'm Maybe wondering. And and again, I don't want to just like go on speculation here, but it, that's that's funny to me because Dreamhaven, uh, Mike Morheim's other company is also still in Irvine. And that company is basically made up like 99% of X Blizzard devs, which I think is hilarious. Um, <laughs> so I'm wondering if maybe they're going to do like a licensing deal type thing with Dreamhaven and start doing like tabletop versions of their games and vice versa. That would that would be a pretty interesting synergy between the two game game companies. Again, speculation, but. <laughs> Right. The possibilities are uh are pretty pretty cool. Um one one thing about this I did notice in in passing is um the the type of responsibilities that are different in in the creative aspects of a tabletop game versus like a full-on video game and how much um um like how much like of a simpler scope that a tabletop game might be in terms of actually turning it into reality. And I, I hope that, you know, if, if the tabletop route goes, you know, keeps growing like it is that, you know, it might be more accessible to the creative people who want to get behind it. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited about this because I personally have never been a Warcraft player. But I understand that their world is fairly in depth. Their lore is expansive. It, it's a living community and having someone who is a developer on that team create their own tabletop world. I feel like that's a really good sign. I feel like they're going to have great. They already kind of know how to world build. So I think if they're going for something. Well, Chris Metzen. Yeah. He basically created Warcraft. <laughs> Yeah, uh, like, I feel like it's for someone to start a company. This guy's probably got. Not probably he does. He he knows what he's doing for you know creation. So, like he has he had an entire journal that of like lore for Warcraft that he was writing out all the way up to like multiple expansions and stuff. And I think he handed that over to them to use. I don't know if they're still using something like that, but yeah, he's. He's like the big cheese of uh, of the lore. Like everything in Warcraft is, is like his baby. So that's it's crazy. <laughs> All right, this is the point in the podcast where I'm going to start to do my thing again. You guys know if you've been <clears throat> listening that I have to talk about my Nintendo. Um, ah, yes. Fortunately, for content for this podcast, um, the last. Uh, Nintendo Direct Mini Partner Showcase of the year was yesterday, and it was actually extremely impressive. Um, definitely the best so far, because anyone who watches them knows that the first few were absolute garbage, unless you're like a Shin Megami Tensei super fan. Um, I'm, I'm just going to go over some of the quick highlights. So 
obviously Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. It's technically a third-party company doing the development. Um, they actually shadow dropped a demo for Chapter One, and me being oh. me, I played through all of it and I loved it. I thought it was great. What? I'm gonna have to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's available That's right awesome. So um, the demo lets you play as Link, obviously, and a young Impa, and um, and Zelda. So Impa is freaking awesome to play. She uses this like if, if you know Breath of the Wild and you know the Yiga clan, she basically fights like they do. She works with symbols as weapons, and she hmm. can basically do like a shadow multiplication jitsu that she's got. You know. Eight, eight clones of her along with herself fighting everybody on the field. It's super cool. It's just a spectacle to look at. <laughs> and Zelda uses the uh, Sheikah Slate with the different runes as part of all of her combos. And it's hard to explain just me talking. But basically, like, the first hit will be, say, Magnesis. And then the second hit uses, like, Cryonis. And the third one uses Stasis. And then, like, the, the ending hit of the combo, everybody's frozen in Stasis. And then she just whips them all with Magnesis again, and it sends them flying. Definitely give it a shot. It looks awesome. And, and their latest trailer also shows that you will be, you'll be able to play as the, the champions, but you can also play as the Divine Beasts. And you're just going to monsters all over the battlefield. It what? looks awesome. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. I recommend it. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty excited for that. That's, that's cool. Yep. I didn't know that. And it lets you play all of chapter one and your progress will carry over. So you really have nothing to lose. That's pretty great. I'm checking that, that out. It is November 20th, right before my birthday. So it's going to be a good year. Um, Immortals Phoenix Rising. I know it's going to be on everything else, but it's one of those games where you can play it on the Switch because the art style kind of makes it so you can play it on whatever. Um, I think it, you know, it's, it's, actually similar to breath of the wild and its art style and its exploration. Mm -hmm. Um, it's from Ubisoft, just another game worth looking at. Um, bravely default 2. I've had the original on my three DS. Um, I, I'm just a big proponent of, of more old school turn-based JRPGs. I like my final fantasies, you know, like, all those types of games, and, and it was nice to have on the 3DS, and you don't see a lot of representation on the Switch. So that's very good to see. Um, that is coming out February 26th, 2021. Yeah, that's pretty I'm good. I, I grew up with uh, Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger, so yep, JRPGs are my thing. Yeah. Um, Honestly, it's just a breath of fresh air to see a good single player game that you can throw a bunch of time in because everything's live service, multiplayer, competitive, like mm -hmm. um, Story of Seasons, which is it reminded me it's Harvest Moon meets Animal Crossing, you know, Raise a Farm. The biggest thing was I wanted to see co-op, but I didn't get that deep of a dive. So I'm going to put a pin in that one. That one comes out late March. Um, oh, big one. I've never played these games. Uh, have you guys played No More Heroes? No. One or two? So I have. It's a very... It, based on the trailer, it reminded me of like a Bayonetta, like a Platinum, a platinum Games type of game. Huh. Uh, I've never played it, but the third one, it, it's got this niche crowd, and they are obsessed with it. And I've kind of wanted to get into it. 
um, with the announcement of of No More Heroes 3 coming on the Switch, they actually shadow dropped one and two ports that day. So they're available right now. And after I do some more research, I'm going to try that. Um, There's another little indie game called Part-Time UFO. Just a little... um, It has like a Scribblenauts feel to it. It's it's like pixel art. It's cartoonish. um, You know, 8-bit music. But it's basically a puzzle game, very physics heavy, where you stack objects and perform basic tasks as like a flying alien with like a claw hook, like a crane game. It's a pretty interesting concept, but I actually went ahead and picked it up and played about an hour today, and I love that. Um, Tropico 6, not my cup of tea. Um, The Bakugan game. Okay. So what's Um, up with these cloud versions? I was, yep, that was the next thing I was going to talk about. So we've got two cloud games, and if they are what they seem to be, I'm going to be mad. Um, So Control, huge game last year. Pretty fun game. I liked it. It's it's available now on the Switch. It runs through the cloud. (laughs) It streams to your Switch. And anyone that owns a Switch and has seen those download speeds has got to be pissed because there's no way you're going to get that kind of, you know, lossless quality on 20 megs down. So that's Control and the same thing with Hitman 3, which so, I don't get it, man. So it's their, so it's their Stadia. I guess, yeah. Or I, xCloud, huh. I, I've never seen it, and... I can see why it was hard to like, you can guess what they are by looking at it. Right. But, but when I actually tried to, to snack the words out of them and see, tell me this is streaming to my switch. That was hard to find. And I'm sure that's why mm-hmm. Um, super skeptical. Like, yeah, you're going to get ray tracing and stuff streaming, but really you're going to lose a lot of fidelity there. It's on a switch. You're not breaking 1080p. What do you expect? Like, well, I think there's a lot of potential in cloud platforms, and again, that's a discussion for another day. But there is, but it's, there's that's where they the say they have control, but can they? Yeah. Really? <laughs> nice pun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so before we wrap up today, um. Let's go ahead and get into what everybody's playing. Deface, what are you up to these days? Well, right now I've been going through the playlist, the campaign playlist again for the Master Chief Collection. So I'm playing through the basically the the normal mode playlist for the entire thing, the entire Master Chief Collection up to Halo 4. So... I'm doing that. It doesn't have ODST or Reach, but that's fine. I mean, I'll play those separately anyway, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Ian, what do you got? Um, I've been running through Bloodborne again. Just to okay. kill some time here and there. Uh, I haven't had a lot of free time lately. I've been looking actually at Final Fantasy fourteen again. I've always loved it, but they're adding in new features, and they're actually adding an explorer mode 
into their dungeons, which I think is kind of cool. You essentially get to run through and they advertised it as just exploration and uh, photo shoots, essentially. <laughs> they'll, 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 uh, they'll set up practice dummies so you can have those big action shots without having to worry about team wiping or something. So mm-hmm. I think that'll be fun. Well, part, half of me says this is a really dumb idea. It would never cater to me. The other half of me says there's a huge RP community out there who I'm mm-hmm. sure we're going to have a field day with that. Absolutely <laughs> massive RP community in Final Fantasy fourteen. Like they're gonna have a field day with it's this. Nuts. I'm happy for them, not for me. <laughs> yeah, this will hit a very targeted audience very well. Yeah. What about you, Aaron? Um, I've actually had uh, quite a bit going on. So I've been playing a good a good amount of single player stuff. Um just because it's Halloween, I like to get super into holidays. I played a game called Pumpkin Jack all the way through. It was about seven hours or so. Just a little um, one-man studio. Um, it's got like a uh, ukulele kind of art style, except it's got the Halloween aesthetic. And music's good. It's a platformer. Pretty simple hack-and-slash mechanics, that kind of thing. Um I recommend it. It was about 25 bucks, I think. You know, just a good little Halloween game. Um, at the moment, I'm also playing Cloud Runner, which just came out Tuesday. And it's super hard. Um, but it's one of those where you, you're thrown into scenario after scenario, and you have to figure out how to kill everybody and not get killed yourself. It's a one-hit kill system. If you get hit by any bullets, swords, you die. You have to restart. Um, If you've ever played Katana Zero, which I'm also playing through right now, also an excellent game, it's basically Mirror's Edge meets Katana Zero. In a 3D environment, you're you're doing your Titanfall-style wall running. Which which game is this? This is Ghost Runner. Oh, Ghost Runner? Okay. Yep. Um... That one's also very good. It, it's hard. It's gotten me pretty heated, but... <laughs> and, and I know I'm not the Dark Souls type, but Ghost Runner hits me like a Dark Souls game should hit me. When I win, it's great, When you know, but it's really frustrating until you get there. And that is all I've got. One game that I've... That I've um, one game that I've really wanted to check out is uh, Teardown. Yes. It's uh, that, like so. a physics-based puzzle game. But, yeah, it's it's crazy. Destroy everything. That's the one that kind of looks like Minecraft, but with smaller mm-hmm. pixels. Yep. Okay. That one looked very cool. Yeah. 20 bucks came out, I think, like, yeah. today? Yesterday? Yeah, today. Yeah. Access, though, right? Yeah, early access, but apparently it's already got lots of stuff in it, so... Nice. Good. All right. replayability. Yeah. Last words? Keep gaming. Yeah. <laughs> okay, everyone, this has been the Chill Gamers Podcast. You can find us on our Discord server as Chill Gamers. Our YouTube channel is called The Chill Gamers Show, and we are also on Spotify and Stitcher as The Chill Gamers Podcast. Leave a like, comment, or any other feedback. We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks, everyone. See you.